Well, some Buckeyes do pretty well in the NFL playoffs. An Ohio team did really well in the NFL playoffs, which feels weird to say. <laughs> and a would-be scammer got got by an 11 Warriors teammate. We're going to talk about all that and more in this episode of the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance, along with my partner in crime, Johnny Ginner. Johnny, big, big weekend for playoff football. Some would say maybe the greatest weekend of playoff football ever, the National Football League, uh, flexing its muscles as to why it's really America's sport with I think something like four games decided by a combined 15 points, crazy times. Uh, and, and one of the things that I know a lot of listeners will be happy about was that an Ohio team was uh, coming out on the right side of the ledger in playoff games this weekend. Now I know you being a fellow SOB Southern Ohio boy, that mm-hmm. is remember the halcyon days of when the Bengals were not yet the bungles. And we were looking forward to, uh, the one and only Boomer Esiason taking down the 49ers and Joe Montana. Oh, if only, oh, if only, yeah. uh, do, do, do you remember those halcyon days or am I just enough older than you? That no, I, I yeah, shuffle? I'm too young. It's that missed me by a couple years. And, uh, so that means I grew up in the nineties and well, I mean, we both grew up in the nineties, but, <laughs> it, but it means that as I grew up in the nineties, I had no memory of the Bengals ever being good. I had a slight memory of the reds being good. Uh, I, I vaguely red machine remember. forever, baby. Well, and I vaguely remember the 90, the world series in 1990. Yeah, sure. Um, I was like five and, um, God, you are young. Yeah. So I was, I was really young at that time, but my family diehard reds fans all over the place. And I remember that one not super clearly, but I remember sitting at my grandparents and watching some of the games and everybody getting really excited. And I was really excited because I like the Reds too. And so that's I vague memories of that, but I don't remember the Bengals ever being good. And I was never like a huge fan of the Bengals. I enjoyed some of their games. I went to a Bengals game when I was a kid, I would consider myself a fan, but I wasn't a fanatic or anything like that. And part of that was because they were so terrible, but I think my most vivid memory of the Bengals in the nineties was Jeff Blake and Carl Pickens. I know, I know I love those dudes. I thought they were cool as hell. Just, I, I loved just the idea that you're just winging it down the field. That was a lot of fun to watch. And then, um, 700 WLW doing all my Bengals every week after they lost and like Bruce Coslett <laughs> being like this dummy who's just screwing everything up and, so all those skits that, you know, Gary Burbank and them were doing, uh, making fun of the Bengals when I was, you know, my early teens, uh, I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. And then, you know, Carson Palmer and, and Chad Johnson, that's, that's fun. Good. But obviously they never went on to actually win a playoff game and, you know, the Bengals going on to not only win their first playoff game in 35 years, but then proceeding to win their first road playoff game in the history of the franchise and back-to-back weeks is I don't really think it's real. I, I there's gotta be some kind of trick or catch. So I'm still kind of befuddled by all of this. And, and look, I've always maintained a certain emotional distance from the Bengals for my own sanity, but there are friends and family that I have who are just like losing their minds right now because they've been so incredibly overly invested in this franchise for a very long time. Um, and now they're finally getting to the re- the rewards of that investment. So I, you know, to them, 
congratulations i'm glad you get to have this uh to me i'm gonna still enjoy it anyway and pretend that you know i'm i'm as big of a Bengals fan as they are even if i'm really not and honestly i watch and, and follow the Bengals as much as anybody but i i like i said i maintain this emotional distance because i just never believed they would ever have any modicum of success beyond week 16 or week 17 at, you know as of now in the playoffs like seven seven losses eight losses in a row that'll do it to you so i just i don't know but i applaud people who stuck with them and believed and now they get to experience the joe burrow uh show because he's he's <laughs> a g man like that dude is le- legit he's real i was listening to joe burrow's dad uh talking on local radio in columbus monday morning and, you know, they, they asked him the question about culture and have, can one player, because Chris, he's a coach himself, you know, can mm-hmm. one player really change the culture of a program? Because it sure seems like Joe Burrows changed the culture of that organization. Yeah, man. Uh, and, and to do what he's done with an objectively terrible offensive line. <laughs> yeah. You know, no shade to the former Buckeyes involved in that, uh, you know, intended. No, they can get shade. They're, they're, they're terrible. It's, it's sorry. Like, uh, learn to learn to play in the NFL. Now, one player who, uh, in addition to former Ohio state, in fact, I should say Ohio state alumnus, Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. uh, another former Ohio state football player who did well, uh, particularly in the waning moments of that Bengals victory was Eli Apple. Now, if you had yeah. Eli Apple, uh, making a huge interception with 20 seconds to go to put his team in position to win on your 2022 bingo card, you know, good for you. I, I don't know that a lot of people expected Eli Apple to become uh, a linchpin part of the team when he ended up in Cincinnati, given his troubles and travails at some of his for- former stops in the National Football League. But uh, yeah, <clears throat> old boy did it and completed the heel turn afterward with some <laughs> fine Twitter-based trash talk. He's uh, Eli Apple. I mean, obviously his uh, his his career is definitely something that I think people can uh, pull apart, critique a little bit, and he's definitely feeling himself a little bit on this. Okay, to have takes about. Well, I mean, it's just it's interesting that uh, you know you look at some of the guys, some of the Ohio State players on the Bengals, and kind of how they're career trajectories have been and how they've been projected and you know Eli Apple was a guy I think out of all of those dudes in college uh, at least until Joe Burrow you know absolutely went crazy um you know his, his year with LSU when they won the championship I mean he was when they were going into college Eli Apple's the dude I think you had the most clap um maybe Von Bell I guess you'd say kind of yeah. you know you could you could put up there but um he's had a long strange road to where he is i guess is my point Mm -hmm. and um you know like i said good for that guy getting it done being able to you know do what he's doing and he actually didn't have the interception on that he he knocked it away and it it got to another i think it was uh i can't remember his baits or hidden uh hilton Uh, it might have been hilton um but regardless he, I guess the, my point was saying that is that he was involved in a lot of these plays. It wasn't just a one-off where right. he had a lucky INT or something like that. The guy played really, really well during the game, and he has played really, really well um, throughout the season. So Von Bell's obviously there, and then of course you got Sam Hubbard, who's Von, had Von a- Bell with six tackles, including a, a quarterback sack. Yeah, uh, and Sam Hubbard's had a great first season. quarter sack, quarterback sack. That's a that's repetitively redundant. A, a first quarter <laughs> sack, I meant to say, of the yeah. quarterback. 
of the quarterback and Sam Hubbard, uh, three tackles, including a TFL. Not bad, not bad. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got a lot of good Buckeye contribution here on the Bengals, aside from Joe Burrow, uh, who, you know, for the purposes of this podcast, we will continue to claim as an Ohio State. <laughs> what you should anyway because i mean come on he's a graduate you're right yeah. like you gotta and, give and, it to and for people who want to you know want to parse words about that dude's got a sheepskin on the wall from the university yeah. of buckeye uh, you know p- period in the story uh you know you quinn yours now if, if ohio state if he turns out to be the second coming of joe montana and uh people want to try no you yeah, the, no, the, yeah you you, you, you won't that. claim that dude in any way shape or form but burrow paid burrow was dude. on the dub cast so that yes, means he yes. is officially an ohio state buckeye for life for so that's how that forever. works another buckeye who did very well in playoff football no surprise here uh, nick bosa who yeah. apparently is part polar bear because he basically was running around the field naked in warm-ups uh had a had a big game in the uh game over uh poor aaron Rodgers. that guy has has there ever been more trash talked about a losing quarterback that was so much fun on the oh, internet come on man like the the, the, the loss that spurred spurred a thousand memes i mean and what's great. funny is if he had just like shut his trap and not been a douche people would have been so much more on his side in that game but because of the way he has been in the past you know year really but mm-hmm. really in the past like six months uh everybody was rooting against that guy and it turned out very hilariously in the end i mean i you know i i like seeing underdogs win anyway but this is definitely a case where i was happy with the outcome and how it turned out and i know there's a lot of packers fans who are like oh you know aaron Rodgers is right up there with tom brady well get to more than one super Bowl, yeah, right like yeah, win, win yeah, more than one right. championship and then you get to be in that conversation but until then sorry like the and other guy is right there and he's like 10 years older so and there's a case to be made you know that rogers may be the the most uh poorly managed I, I guess I, I'm trying oh, to yeah, he's phrase this. Bad coaching, but, yeah, but the talent, who, you know, the guy who who has been saddled with the work relative to his talent, you know, generational talent. Yes. Uh, to to be more mismanaged, it, it it is it is kind of sad in that regard. However, comma, you know, it's kind of what you said earlier. Like, screw him. You know, <laughs> Pey- Peyton Manning didn't have the best. Exactly. You yes. know, the, the best Super Bowl, but people love that guy. Right. And, and he's got two and Aaron Rodgers has one. So how right, about that? right. Right. So I, I look at this. I'm like, we talk about Peyton Manning, like he's the greatest quarterback to ever do it. Um, but it's because people like him. <laughs> right? right. You know, and this is case where and what I always laugh about with Rodgers and we'll come back to Ohio State players in the playoffs in a minute. But what I always laugh about with Rodgers, you know, if you go back five or six years ago, dude had that kind of Peyton Manning like um, capital with John Q public because of the discount oh, sure. double check commercials. He seemed like a likable guy. You have a beer with him. And he just gone full on douchebag, as you put it, yeah. uh, you know, over the last couple of years. And we talked well, about the host of Jeopardy. People loved him on Jeopardy, thought he was a great host. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's and just, he's just burned all that capital in, yep. in about 20 minutes. Yep. Sad. And look, all of these guys are t- chasing Tom Brady. And that's that's the other thing that I find fascinating about these playoffs, because you've got guys right now in the playoffs. I mean, obviously, Tom Brady is is not, you know, he's not there. Um, the the creation of legacy in the NFL, like we talk about it in college sports. These guys have four to five years to do that in college sports. Tom Brady's been around for 40, 50 years. I mean, I don't like it is completely different. We, we judge these things on very different time frames, And 
that's what's that's another thing that's really interesting to me about how we create these narratives. I mean, I just talked about you know being a Bengals fan and, and not seeing a win for 31 years. And that's that's insane because if you were an Ohio State fan who didn't see a bowl win or a win over Michigan for 31 years, you would be rioting, you would be burning down, you know, Ohio Stadium. So it's there are different expectations, different time frames. It's just it's it's fascinating to watch. And I asked this question on the uh, the forums over the weekend as our weekly question, which is, you know, which do you rooting interests aside, right? Which do you get more hyped about NFL or college football? And, you know, before this past weekend of games, uh, hands down college football, and I still would say college football. But I think and this is a conversation that we had a little bit on slack on the site and then i think maybe has been on twitter a little bit i think the nfl game has become more dynamic whereas the college football game has become a little more stagnant and it used to be flipped it used to be college football was where all the crazy fun stuff happened and, and the nfl was like okay well we've got two offenses and, and that's it we're, we're, you know two offenses and three defenses and that's what it's gonna look like but i think guys like mahomes and yeah, I mean, Josh Allen, even a guy who's you know, six foot five from Wyoming, not a dude you would expect to revolutionize any offense, but he's just a Mack truck doing crazy stuff that you would never see from a quarterback 15 years ago uh, of that stature, right? Like he would be expected to be a Carson Palmer dude, but he's not anymore. Um, I just think the NFL has become much more innovative in the past five years and a lot more interesting to watch rooting interests aside. And college football doesn't have that same kind of, diamondism anymore i don't think yeah i'm curious to see how i feel about this question four or five years from now because i was talking with someone um earlier today in fact about that very issue that when the stunning mrs vance and i started dating you know she was huge nfl fan you know and i've mentioned before uh, you know big steelers fan because she grew up in in wheeling so the steelers were the mm -hmm. local team so to speak and when we first started dating i hardly watched any nfl i'm a college football guy through and through and but i started watching the nfl because of her her interest in the steelers and this year it was really kind of interesting just to see how how little nfl we watched relatively speaking um compared to when we started dating and and i don't know if maybe she's just adopted my college football habits but your point's well made I, so i'm really curious to see how i feel about college versus nfl five years from now because of the the trends you're talking about right uh we're going to talk more about some of the trends and how they're affecting college football a little bit later on with relation to early entrance to the NFL and if NIL is tipping the scales any in that at all. But I want to finish our conversation about Buckeyes in the playoffs. Uh, Nick Bose, as we mentioned, sacked Rodgers twice, also forcing a fumble on one of those sacks, which the Packers recovered, but forced them into uh, settling for a field goal attempt that was inevitably blocked by the 49ers. Good man, Nick Bosa, that strip sack uh, pivotal point during the game. And so you've got the, the Bengals and the, uh, which has several Buckeyes on it and the fighting Bozas uh, on the 49ers, no Buckeyes on the chiefs. So, you know, sorry, can't root for them. And uh, the Rams have Jordan Fuller, even though he's on injured reserve. So Buckeyes uh, clearly the Bengals are the Buckeyes team to root for into the playoffs and, and, you know, back to my mention of boomer size. And I'm sitting here for full nostalgic purposes, hoping for a Bengals versus 49ers Super Bowl. I think that that would be the biggest entertainment factor going, uh, will it happen or not? I think the Bengals probably have a tough road to hoe against 
uh, the Chiefs, but yeah, stranger, I, don't, I don't think they're winning that. Yeah, stranger things have happened. You never know. Uh, speaking of a Boza, uh, we can talk about the Pro Football Writers of America's uh, all NFL team, two Buckeyes on it, including Nick Boza and uh, one of my favorite players in the league, Cameron Hayward. So those two yep. guys racking up more postseason accolades in the all NFL, all NFL team. Um, and it just goes to show you again, you know, what a string of great defensive linemen Ohio state had over the past, you know, 10, 12 years. Um, I always have to remind myself that Hayward really does come from a different era. Cause talking about guys who have been in the league for a long time. Yeah. Hayward's been in it for, for a while now that he wasn't really hanging around the Woody, um, you know, in the, in the meat of the LJ era. Well, and he's not, I mean, the dudes he's, I think he's like almost 33. Um, so it's not like he's ancient, but in the but NFL, just, that's yeah. In NFL terms, he's, you know, he's damn near that's a long career. Yeah. He's 32. It'll be 33 this year. Yeah. Uh, it's wild. He was in the first round of the 2011 NFL draft. So you're right. going on, going on 11, 12 seasons now, which like you say, especially, especially that position, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. What amazes me with him is I, I think he's playing his best football these last couple seasons. Yeah, right. Like he's just gotten better as his year as his career's gone on, which is even more wild, I think. Um, because he's and maybe maybe part of it too is that I think he's gotten better in part because they have done a better job at figuring out where he plays you know what i mean yeah because for a while i think he was he was much more on the edge and they're okay well he's gonna be and we're trying to get him some set i I don't think they are doing that as much anymore i think they they figured out a little bit more where his niche is and that's helped him out quite a bit um but i'm interested to see with him and in the next year or two is keith butler longtime defensive coordinator i think something like 19 years with the Steelers retired. Uh, so what, what that defense looks like mm-hmm. uh, moving forward, you know, do they do, do they retain that same kind of DNA that what they've, what they've done with <laughs> Butler's defenses or, you know, is there some sort of reboot? I, I don't know. Going to be uh, an, an interesting, they're going to have a lot of transition on that team, but specific to Cameron Hayward, uh, you know, getting a new, new DC after a guy that's been there since before you got there, you know, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the NFL from a, a more Ohio State focused uh, tone. Ohio State this week updated its NIL name, image and likeness guidelines, created a new team to coordinate opportunities for student athletes. I, I don't know that, you know, that was anything earth shattering or super meaningful. Um, but one of the things I thought was interesting was that according to the news release announcing this new team and new guidelines, 220 Ohio State student-athletes engaged in 608 opportunities over the past six months with a total compensation of just under $3 million, $2.98 million. Uh, and Ohio State um, is number one in the country in all three of those categories, number of students, number of opportunities, and, and total dollars brought in, according to Open Doors. So that was that was pretty incredible. My question for you is, about the same time Ohio State was releasing that, the Associated Press's Ralph Russo uh, published a piece pointing out that the number of early entrants into the NFL draft has hit a nine-year low. Only 73 um, draft-eligible underclassmen are going to take their shot at playing at the highest level. And, and so the question is, is NIL 
giving players a reason to not jump early. In other words, if I can make a little bit of money for my talents while still playing at Ohio State or Georgia or Alabama or where have you, then maybe I don't need to rush trying to get in the league uh, to get a third-round paycheck. What are your thoughts on that? Is NIL the reason we're seeing a a nine-year low, or is this just a particularly soft class of underclassmen that, that might be looking at the draft? Um, I think we're probably going to need a few more years to really suss that out. But I, I, my suspicion is yes, that's definitely contributing to it. Um, because I look, <laughs> a lot of it is about getting paid. I mean, we talked about this a ton in the lead up to the Rose Bowl, right? You want to get paid. Well, if let's put it this way, if you are, like you said, if you're a third or fourth round draft pick, that's your evaluation. You're getting a decent amount in NIL money and you can improve your draft stock by staying another year, then yeah, hell yeah, you would do that, right? I think there are a lot of guys who, for a lot of them, they would like to stay in college or they, you know, maybe they are kind of ambivalent or they, they've, you know, are on the fence. And in the past, they've gone because they want to help support their family or they just want to make some money of their own or whatever. And if that's not as much a consideration anymore, then they're going to be more likely to, to stay in college. So that's, I think that's one positive about NIL that we kind of hoped would come to fruition. And I think it's a couple of years again to really figure out whether or not it's having that much of an impact, but I would not be surprised at all if that were the case Um, because you know, the the money can be pretty substantial for some guys. Yeah. I I agree with you that it's, it's too early to tell if this is, you know, this could be just correlation, not causation. I also think the transfer portal thing is interesting. You know, if you have, Mm -hmm. if you're in a situation, you're not, like totally in love with you know let's say you're at school x and you've done okay but you're maybe not super happy there let's say maybe you're justin fields at georgia you know and you've got a chance to go somewhere else to try to improve your situation it's easier to do that now you don't have to sit out and all all those kind of things maybe that's another reason that you're seeing fewer people just say oh hell with it i'll just take a shot at the league you know and and i i would think that those and certainly those two things in tandem the opportunity to make more money and the opportunity to make some money and the opportunity to take your talents elsewhere those would be both things if i were a student athlete with eligibility left might might give me cause to say hmm can i improve my draft stock with another year at a new school while also making money Mm -hmm. yeah well and that's the thing i mean the, the opportunities are really kind of the the point with all of this and i can see i mean given the way the portal's working out, you're looking at guys transferring from Georgia to Alabama after the championship game. And yeah, how crazy is that? Right. Right. I mean, I can understand why some people are still a little hesitant and and not super stoked about the regime that you're, you're kind of bringing in when it comes to that kind of stuff, but it's still, it's still important for people to have opportunities. And I, I don't know. I, overall, I still think it's a net good. And, you know, like I said, one of those added benefits is keeping guys in college longer getting your degree then that's that's a good thing i like that i'm going to talk about ohio state football on the field a little bit in this episode before we get to talking about a story i've teased at the top of the hour the would-be scammer who got got by one of our 11 warriors colleagues but but first let's talk about some actual on field a couple of pieces that uh, the beat team published this week if people miss them I, I want you to go back and read dan hope had a great look at ohio state's top 20 plays of the season and griffin strom had a, a look at the top individual performances from mm-hmm. the season so looking at the top plays 
um, you, you know, my, I, I love the number one play, my, my favorite play of the year. And, and I think this was one the team was probably pretty unanimous on was, uh, Jerron Cage's scoop and score. I'm a sucker. Cause I'm a big guy for a big guy touchdown. But anytime you oh. see a big man rumbling and stumbling 57 yards to the house, you know, that was fantastic. And to do it against Penn state too, right. Uh, not a rival, but a team that always seems to play Ohio state tough. You, you, mm-hmm. you, you always get a tough punch. Out of Penn State. Like that was that was fun. And uh the thing I loved about that one was when they're bringing on like the advanced stats and they're telling you what his 40 time was. As <laughs> yeah. Like that, that's always good. Was, uh, that was a great little clip. What 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 was your favorite play on there or plays? Uh what, what stood out at you as you were going through the list? Yeah, Jaron Kate. I mean, that's a that's a sick play. It's not my number one. I think my number one has to be JSN uh getting in. It's the number two on the list. JSN uh you know, catching the, uh, the touchdown for the Rose bowl lead and then Ohio state, you know, not looking back just the fact that I didn't think after the first, you know, the first quarter and a half or so that Ohio state really had a shot. I thought, okay, well, this is over. And oh so, yeah. They're dead and buried. They're both, they're getting buried. It's going to be a boat race. They might score some touchdowns, but forget it. Uh, the fact that they clawed back after an epic second quarter, and then really locked down on defense in the third to be able to come back with less than five minutes left in the fourth to finally take the lead after what felt like a 12 hour game. Um, that was to me that that was the best play of the season. And, and in part, because you have a season where there were some rivals who didn't pan out to be as, as scary or as significant. And then of course you lose to your chief chief rival. You don't get to make the big 10 championship game. You don't make the college football playoff. That was, in my opinion, the culmination of the best part of the season. Um, so that's why I would put that at number one. Cause that to me was just, it was a huge, like, Okay, the offseason is not going to suck so much. You know what I mean? It was one of those times where you you let out a huge breath of relief and you're like, okay, I, you know what? I can, I can handle it. Because the other thing is, is that, you know, Garrett Wilson had one of the greatest catches you'll ever see a dude make. uh, But it was in a losing effort against Michigan. And and that sucks because the context matters and it, it, you know, it it just kind of blows. So um, I don't know. You want, a significant play in a significant game. And for me, that was, that was it. Uh, yeah, that was, and, that was fun to watch. And, and, you know, this whole discussion, I mean, really caps off what an incredible season JSN Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave had and, and mm. CJ Stroud, let's not leave that man out uh, because three of the top four plays in Dan's breakdown were Jackson Smith and Jigba catches or yeah. number, number four is one I thought was worth uh, shouting out because you, you mentioned the Michigan play um, where you know he catches it off the dude's back you know around this guy's back that was a great but as you say in a loss um, the, the the play though uh, where you know it's the short pass this was uh, against Nebraska turns this you know little little pop pass kind of deal a little bubble double screen kind of deal and turns it into a 75 yarder uh, yeah I mean, that was one of those in that Nebraska game. There wasn't a whole lot to like get super excited about. That was one of those kind of ho humph games. Right. Uh, but that play in where you just said, man, this, as the kids say this day, th- these days, that guy built different, you know, yeah. he's, he, he's just different. Yeah. Um, and you can go down through that list, of course, and see the Chris Olave shows up about three times. Garrett Wilson shows up three or four times. Um, great, great, great piece of, uh, reporting by Dan. Highly encourage you to read that. 
And likewise, of course, then when I mentioned Griffin wrote a companion piece on the top individual performances, you know, JSN shows up, his Rose Bowl was poetry. CJ Stroud, his Rose Bowl, just, you know, poetry. That, and I think what you said a minute ago can't be understated how important that Rose Bowl is to this team in the offseason and going yep. into to the year ahead. Yeah, I well, yes, obviously CJ Stroud had an insane Rose Bowl. I mean, you, you pass for, you know, 27 fewer yards and 600. You almost hit 600. If you had just like three more passes or even two more <laughs> passes, you hit 600. Uh, but the fact that he's the first Ohio State quarterback to ever get above 500 is, is in of itself kind of amazing. But JSN, man, 15 receptions, almost 350 yards, three touchdowns receiving. I I know there's a dude throwing it to him, right? So it's hard sometimes to separate those two things. But he, who else? He's the only guy that they they were going to try to key on. And I know that Utah's secondary was depleted, and, and they're going to yeah. you know complain. Oh, it's why we lost. Well, fine, but Ohio State was missing some dudes too. And you had one guy to defend, really. Yeah, they were that, missing that, some dudes, namely Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Yeah, right? exactly. So you, you've got one known quantity. He's the leading receiver on the team. He's going to get all of the attention of their defense. And he still went completely bonkers and, and won the game, essentially, because he was just that incredibly amazing. And that's even with <laughs> the dude left a touchdown on the field because he had a fumble right there at the, you know, at the, like the two yard line. Um, so I just, I don't know. That's, that's one of the most insane performances period from an Ohio state player that I've seen in a very long time. And I, I kind of complained about this and something that I wrote, I don't know, either, I think it was either on Friday or while I was a weekend editor, but I don't know why they haven't put the entire, somebody has not ripped the entire Rose bowl and put it on YouTube yet. And I really don't care about the whole game. I just want to watch the second quarter. Somebody could just put that 15 minutes on there. And I will and take the and take the copyright heat away from me. I will watch that 500 times the same way that I've watched the Sugar Bowl against Alabama or the national championship against Oregon, both of which I've probably seen in their entirety at least a dozen times a piece. Uh, I, I want to watch that for the most recent Rose Bowl, too. Yeah, I'm a little surprised it hasn't popped up yet just because it seems like every game yeah, they, they have the national champion. I don't know. Anyway, it's they, they've got every literally every other game seems to be on there. If you want to watch the entirety of the Rose Bowl parade, guess what? Three people decided to upload that, which I, by the way, I don't know, Andy, if you care about the Rose Bowl parade. I've never watched more than maybe two minutes of that. Thing oh, no, we, we, generally, we generally watch it. I mean, I'm not saying that I sit there intently both eyes on the screen the entire two or three hours or whatnot but yeah but no we we do watch yeah okay i've never i've never sat through it like i've never watched more than a few minutes that's that's time (laughs) that's time during that part of the year that could be better used in my opinion and just eating (laughs) leftover food and and napping so not gonna not gonna pry my eyes away to watch you know I don't even know what they do with the rose. I guess there's a bunch of flowers, right? It's a parade of roses. So I don't know. Yeah, every float's made out of you know flowers, nuts, fruits, and seeds. Okay. Yeah, the whole floats are made out of like organic, cool. you know, plant material, and and you know, usually fantastic bands, including but not limited to the Ohio State University Marching Band, one of uh, yeah. my favorite musical organizations. They're pretty and, good. Yeah, there's uh, usually I've heard they're good. <laughs> usually, 
<laughs> we got some stuff going on. Uh, usually there are some equestrian units. You know, you'll have mm. like the Maricopa County Sheriff. Okay, that was a bad example. There would be some sheriff's department. <laughs> whatever, whatever county they're in out there, sheriff's department has like a, a mounted patrol unit that they dress up in like 1700s cowboy garb. And okay. You know, so there's some fun. There will usually be like uh, some big fancy carriages that maybe have you know whoever the marshal is yeah. that year i'm more yeah, like i said I'm more interested in leftover ham or whatever so well see the tr- see, it's where you're screwing up you get you you get the leftovers and you eat the leftovers while you're watching the parade no 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 i gotta stand in the kitchen while i'm eating i'm not look this is time is money and i'm not going to separate myself more than five feet from my food source during okay okay all right well before we get to ask us anything uh segment of the program and 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 i must apologize in advance we totally should have had kevin harris on board to talk about this but one of my favorite pieces of off-season content has already been published uh sometime monday our colleague kevin who writes the daily skull session basically keeps the site running uh every day (laughs) gets a text from someone ostensibly named brian hartline and and from there it was comedy gold the, the only thing i have to lament johnny was that this uh didn't happen to you because after having <laughs> read some of your fantastic uh pieces including but limited to the threat level over the years the the treatment you would have given this situation i, I think would have been uh, i would have i would have talked myself into this game though that's the thing like kevin's <laughs> much smarter than me and he, he he knew how to play it cool and kind of string this guy along. I would have been like, all right, I guess I got to go buy these things for this dude, try to make some content out of it. And he would have stolen my credit card and then I would have, you know, been destitute or whatever. So I'm glad I'm glad Kevin was on it. He did a fantastic job. He did accept one of my suggestions for fake recruit names, though, and I was really happy about that. So uh, Keith Baja Blast is actually not a uh, a recruit that Brian Hartline is targeting. Sad panda there. If uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, the brief setup was that Kevin gets a text from, and, and I'm sure that we've all at this point been subjected to uh, some sort of either uh, I get both the scam calls at my house as well as the scam texts on my phone, and of course you've gotten scam emails since I think the first email was sent. Uh, but Kevin gets a text from one of these scammers claiming to be Brian Hartline. And uh, invariably, the ask is to go to the grocery store and buy some Apple gift cards. Yeah. And I mean, and- so far, so good. I don't know what would have given away the plot by at that point. I mean, that's that's pretty foolproof. How, how right could there. anyone think this was not legitimate? Right. Uh, and and of course, from there, Kevin strings this poor catfish along for a period of time. And uh, finally, the person just stops returning kevin's text you got to go read the the really story com- complete with screen caps of the text messages because it is hilarious uh and and brian hartline after we published the piece uh tweeted the real brian hartline the, the real brian hartline. human yeah, yeah yeah not the not the scammer uh right. texted a pretty funny comment about just trying to build that nil war chest or something along yeah. those lines so got a kick out of that uh but i'm all about it anytime you can stick your thumb in the eye of one of these scammers you know more power to you i know there's some youtubers out there who are spending their days fighting the robo callers and scammers and and i i say that's great because i'm pretty sure there's a special circle of hell reserved for the people who perpetrate this crap on i just us, love this poor work and stiffs i just i just love like 
Yeah. And you know, I don't work for free. Just tell me if Ohio state's going to get Jordan Berry blast from Tampa and the cards are all yours. <laughs> and he's like, yes. Sending now. Yes. To what Jordan Berry blast is coming to Ohio state. <laughs> yes. Let's go. Keith Baja blast too. If you confirm that I'll send the cards. What's all this. What do you mean? They're players you're recruiting. I just want to know if they're coming to Ohio state. I need inside information. <laughs> they are coming. Wow. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> Let me send the card. Um, I, I just love how enthusiastic and unfortunately um, unfortunately Brian Hartline didn't know who Dees was which is yeah really that would have been good that was the last one Kevin was trying to ask him if Dees was coming too yeah well, say, you, you, know, know, you can't you win them all Dees? but you know I gotta say pretty successful I endured that quite a bit it was very good well done Kevin classic troll job we'll uh, yep. talk about some Ohio State basketball and wrestling in a moment but let's let's take a walk to the mail room shall we it's time for ask us anything which is of course, a great time to remind you that the Dubcast is brought to you by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. Hats, t-shirts, stickers, other items for the discerning Buckeye fan or the fan of the finer things in life, in your life. Go shopping at drygoods.11warriors.com. Johnny, what have we from the fans this week? So uh, as a reminder, you can send us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com, D-U-B-C-A-S-T at 11warriors.com. First one's from Evan, who wants to know, would you still root for a Justin Fields-led Chicago Bears team if Jim Harbaugh were the head coach? By the way, real quick thing on Jim Harbaugh, uh, no news. Um, and John U. Bacon, who's like a hard bro. Uh, and, and knows the guy pretty well, basically says the longer this goes on, the less likely it is that he's going to leave. I tend to agree. Um, it looks like the offers are not quite as sweet from the NFL. So I, I actually think that the guy is probably going to end up staying. Uh, I said it was 50-50 a couple of weeks ago or maybe last week. I'm probably landing more like 70-30. He stays at, uh, at Michigan at this point. Boo um, hiss, boo hiss. Well, <laughs> either way, like I said, either way is going to be really interesting because he's got a hell of a rebuild to do in 2022 he's losing a lot on uh, on defense so that'll be interesting to see how that works out um but yeah i would i would root for him i mean i want to see justin fields be successful and i don't really care i mean jim Harbaugh is not at michigan anymore unless he's doing double duty and, and coaching both the bears and the the wolverines i i don't give a crap so um yeah i i would still definitely root for a justin fields led bears team even if harbaugh was there yeah and, it, and this probably you know goes back to what i said earlier about my football fandom has been primarily college focus not nfl focused but we do follow you know the steelers pretty closely but because of that i don't necessarily follow a bunch of other nfl teams enough to be competent at uh fantasy i finished third in my league this year thank you very much mm, um very good got my entry feedback i was happy about that uh the the challenge I, I have there is just that I've never been rooting for the bears to start with. What I tend to find is there, like I enjoy the individual story. So yes, I would be rooting for Justin Fields to do well, regardless. Uh, Harbaugh there would not suddenly make me think, you know, boy, I hope Justin Fields has a terrible season. I, I'd be rooting for him regardless because he's one of my favorites to come through Ohio state in recent memory and just uh, did a fantastic job. So that's 10. I, I tend to follow, I guess, individual players more so, you know, like uh, I got interested in the saints when there were 47 Ohio state players on the saints. I didn't have any reason to root for the saints otherwise. Right. But mm -hmm. I found them a more interesting team when there was a bunch of Ohio state guys on the squad. Um, so yeah, Harbaugh wouldn't change my feelings about wanting Justin Fields to do well. 
Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, all right, so this is from our good friend Alvin who wants to know, what is one fad that kids follow slash participate in that make you feel old and ignorant because it just doesn't make sense? <laughs> Those dang teens. Uh, don't understand. <laughs> That's a tough one. I, you know, I almost on a knee jerk said TikTok, but I do. I get TikTok. But I, yeah, I do. Sense. But yeah, I understand it. So that doesn't really fit the question just because it's not my tempo or it's not something I'm into. I, I do get it. So yeah, but there's nothing like it's it's funny, but it's funny slash interesting videos yeah. with cool. Yeah. Effect. Like I get it. Yeah. That, yeah. 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 So that yeah. Yeah. It's not not my tempo, but I but I but I understand it. Get it. Things I don't understand. Mm, I'm sure there is something uh, now. This isn't the teens. I will say this. There's an interesting thing I've noticed among my my elementary school aged daughter. Um, mm. The kids in her class all have these. They they call them fidgets, and it's not. I thought initially it was going to be like um, the the fidget t- changes every year. There, there's always okay. a new fidget. Well, so I remember the fidget spinners when that was yes. a thing. What three or four or five years ago? Yep. Um, th- this it seems to be the they call them poppets. Yeah, they got and, poppets. Yeah, and the, I mean that just looks to me like bubble wrap that never pops like yeah it's silicone bubble wrap that's literally what it is yeah and like they're all into it and you know i was like okay that's great these things only cost like three bucks a piece so this is the cheapest toy i may ever buy for my kid <laughs> but i get but i guess i don't get that and like all of these third graders in her class they all have and, and the one kid like one of her friends gave her a present the other day and it's like six poppets and <gasps> six poppets i know right and they're like different colors <laughs> and shapes and i was like yeah but and if she was not... like thrilled like it's a suit like she's thrilled right sure. like, this is the best present ever and i'm just kind of like mm, okay she's like here daddy you want to try i was like sure and i popped a few i'm like all right that, that's cool yep i, I mean if it's... it's not if it's not a fidget spinner or a poppet or silly bands or snap bracelets or pogs or you know we did have pogs when we were kids yeah, yeah the snap bracelets. Or I guess, I, yeah i guess you're right there's always a thing there's always I, ne- a thing. I never thought of pogs and slap bracelets as fidget like i did I had not it's, associated it's, this with that, but I, I, I guess yeah, I, you're right. Yeah, it's always something, and it's huh. not like a bad thing per se. Oh, no. Honestly, I'd rather them have some kind of like thing to keep them regulated than shove ten boarheads in their mouth like yeah, my, yeah, my yeah. friends did in middle school. Did so. you have did you have pogs? Were you were you old enough to have? Oh pogs? yeah, hell yeah, yeah. yeah okay, oh, man. Right. Pogs were huge on the playground in uh, in Middletown, Ohio, on elementary school. Yeah. There were fights. You had to have the best slammer. Yeah. Kids were, I mean, that was the thing. The slammers got really outrageous. That, yes. That's the problem, really, with pogs. It's not just the fact that kids were gambling, which essentially that's what it was. <laughs> it's not that's not a problem because kids gamble with stuff all the time. Uh, sorry, parents and teachers, both of which I am. That, that's that's just a, a thing that's going to happen. But uh, the slammers, which started out as like, you know, dense pieces of plastic, not that much bigger than the pogs to, you know, inch and a half sized pieces of brass that people would just whip at each other on the playground. That's when it started to become, I think, a little concerning yeah. uh, for teachers and administrators. But yeah, man, pogs were huge. And I remember, oh God, this is this is even this is such a painful memory. Uh because God, I loved her so much. My my grandma was just one of the greatest people I ever knew. And um I loved her unconditionally from the time I was born to the time she died. And I remember about, God, it wasn't even that much further after the thing finished, but about six months after the pog fad died down, I remember my grandma just, she'd gone to a flea market 
and came she her she was just grinning from ear to ear she probably had about a thousand bucks and i'm sure she probably bought for about five bucks yeah and brought them over to my house and was like johnny i got some packs for you <laughs> she's like yeah thanks grandma it's great I love bugs. uh but god love her i mean she you know she she knew what the kids were into um here's the thing that baffles me and i I still don't get it. And look, I'm not hating on uh, fashion choices that children make, because if I look back at the hairstyles and the clothes that I had, well, I, I was always very boring kid uh, in terms of fashion. I haven't changed all that much, but maybe my peers had in circa 2002, 2003, I have no room to talk right about my <laughs> particular generation and our choices of, of fashion and style. Um, but it's baffling to me how 90s fashion has become in vogue. And I had a student actually come up to me once and say, man, Johnny, you're so lucky to grow up in the 90s with that amazing fashion. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, come on. Seriously. I understand it's back in style and that's the thing. And so people are going to wear it. But you can't tell me that objectively you, you're not going to look at half the stuff you're wearing and like six months ago. Oh, my God. What the hell was I thinking? Like they're like giant bucket hats and junko jeans and i'm like have, have all of this come, stuff have sucks come when back it was yet? popular huh has, has have jinkos come back yet no but they're not not in name but in practice you know what i'm saying like they have the same style yeah it's not actually junkos because i don't think anybody wants to go that far but the other thing that i think maybe kids don't understand who are rocking the 90s styles is that all of the clothes that they're wearing now are either like distressed to the point where they're comfortable or redesigned so that they fit better because everything in the 90s was itchy and too big and made out of terrible materials right like it was it was awful to wear and it was hot and it just sucked so i i would love for some of these you know get on depop or whatever the 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 fashionable um you know, secondhand online stores are get the stuff that's really crappy, right? Get the Z grade cotton that's made with like, you know, grass fibers that they pulled out of somebody's like crab grass backyard or something and then <laughs> wove together into a, you know, an Olympic shirt in 1992, like wear something like that and tell me that it's, it's really cool to wear nineties crap. Cause it's not, it's not, it's not, I'm sorry. It's not. And, and that will fade and they will find hopefully better styles to, to steal from, but man, Oh, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. One of my um, roommates, one of my best friends no desire to go was back to uh, into Jenko's. And I just remember like him talking about, you know, a dimension. And I think he's talking about the, the waist size and no, it's the, <laughs> it's the circumference of the bottom of the leg. Yeah. It's, you know? it's the fact. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I'm like, <laughs> right. I'm not a small gentleman, but <laughs> you know, the, the bells on the bottom of his trousers were, they're bigger they're than the waist. Yeah, you get a 32 inch pants. waist, and yeah. then each leg tapers into a uh, a 54 inch. Yeah, leg. Yeah, it was insane. And that's how it works. It was insane. Yeah, I, and then get the chain, and the, you know, frost your tips, and you're you're good to go. Um, I never did get my tips frosted. I always I always wanted to because that's what the cool kids did. My dad looked took one look and was like, no. <laughs> yeah, that's, that never. Thanks, that Dad. Was, I appreciate that in hindsight. <laughs> Yeah, that never happened, old Johnny. Um, so this one's from Mike. Basically, I'm going to kind of condense this a little bit, um, but he heard an opinion from his dad about Larry Johnson, which is that Larry Johnson's been more lucky with his defensive lines and developer of talent. And he says that Zach Harrison, Jack Sawyer, JTT, Haskell Garrett, a little, little bit of underperformance this year. 
um everybody highlights the boasted brothers and chase young etc but uh is maybe he just reaping the benefits of great recruiting rather than great teaching how about that hmm. I, and I th- also if he were to retire who would replace him as defensive line coach i actually think jim Knowles might be a good candidate for that you might bring down al washington keep it in house but uh you got a guy and clemson todd bates real good down there um but yeah i think larry johnson is a great coach and a great teacher um but uh i don't know how do you feel about that that opinion there yeah no i think he's the real deal uh and and the reason i say this because he's been doing it at a he's been considered to be the best in the sport for 20 plus years right yeah he's i mean yeah he was doing it at penn state with guys yeah i mean he was considered to be level. the best defensive line coach in the country when he was at penn state correct number of guys he put into the league from penn state was not a small number i don't know what the number is but it's not a small number no so yeah. that that to me I, like i get the impetus to say oh it's you know generational because there's no question the Boses and chase young are generational talents yep. and to have three generational talents come through back to back to back like that is is unusual i will grant you that and and so i could i can understand the the impetus um but no uh he's the real deal yeah but just his his ability to to teach and to train you know coach up guys that like you said it's something that he's been doing for a very long time and really look at look at the guys that have matriculated through penn state that's what i would recommend for people who doubt his coaching ability check out some of those dudes that he sent to the league while at, at uh, Penn state, because it's, it's pretty wild. So, and that's ask us anything. Thank you for sending those in. Continue to ask us the, all, all the questions you might want to know answers to uh, about life, love, football, et cetera. Yeah. Good work this week, team. Good questions. All right. Uh, a couple of things we got to talk about basketball, Ohio state, Nebraska postponed due to COVID-19 issues in the Husker program after Ohio state went through its own COVID problems you know, on the one hand, Johnny, I say, I think it's great that this year the NCAA has said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to let, we're going to let things happen. We're going to let the season go on. We're not going to try to do some crazy thing where we take a pause or whatnot. You know, the games sure. are still happening. Um, but it, it is frustrating that now Ohio state's going to have a, a fourth game uh, gone. And in this case, a game where you expected Ohio state was going to win a much needed conference um, game so so i don't love that i don't think they're going to have any luck going out and scheduling another ooey pooey like they did mm-hmm. you know a week ago um and how do you feel about ohio state having to having to swallow another one here I, I don't think this is a great thing for the team i think it hurts yeah i think it hurts their uh development um uh, and a really important part of the really important part of the season however i guess if you just don't play games in january you don't have a january yeah that's true <laughs> so maybe it's not such a bad idea uh, so just keep pushing those games to late february how about that when they finally do get to play a couple of things are are in reach ej liddell uh is very close is 12 points away from having a thousand career points in ohio state that's not a small feat and also Chris Holtman is on the cusp of his 100th win. He's now 99 victories against 48 losses in his four and a half seasons in Columbus. So with a win at Minnesota Thursday, he could become the seventh Buckeye, Buckeye basketball head coach in history to cross the century mark. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's great. Now you got to give the caveat as uh, our Chris Lauterbach did in the piece that he hasn't won a conference title yet um or get to the second weekend of the ncaa tournament so right 
you know, uh, certainly lots of goals to achieve yet. Chris noted that of the five coaches who've currently gotten to the 100th win club, only Eldon Miller failed to win a conference title. Uh, now, Eldon Miller was here 10 years, never won a conference title. So a little different, little different scenario there. So uh, here's, here's fingers crossed. So you and I had talked a week ago that they needed to win two out of the three games down the stretch here in January. So now we're down to 50, 50, you got to win at Minnesota and then pretty tough road to hoe uh, late yeah. in the month at Purdue. Uh, is that right? Am I remembering that right? Is yeah, that I think Purdue? so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk um, uh, about one other concerning issue with the basketball team. Justin Aaron's uh, hot hand early in the season. That guy was shooting the lights out from distance. Not so much here after the return from the Rona. Uh, and asked about that this week <laughs> at a press conference, Chris Holtman said that is, and I quote, the least of my concerns. That's just an acknowledgement that being a three-point shooter is the streakiest of things in a streaky game. I think that's part of it. I also think it's part of like, just that's who Justin Arns is, right? I mean, that's <laughs> like, I, I would love for him at some point to have evolved into the, you know, three blur and that would have been really cool. Uh, but that time has passed and he is who he is. So I, I think that it's, it's partly an acknowledgement that that's a streaky sport and that's a streaky kind of job. Um, but also maybe acknowledgement that's just kind of who the dude is. You know what I mean? And it's, you know, look, Ohio State would, I would love to get consistent production out of Justin Arns, but uh, it's not going to happen. And I'm pretty sure Chris Holtman at this point kind of realizes that that's not going to make or break what he expects the team to be able to do at this point. So I, I can kind of see it. <laughs> it's a little bit, to me, it might be a little bit of a backward, like, one of those, one of those very sly Midwestern. I'm, I'm disappointed <laughs> in you, but I'm not actually going to say it out loud, kind of thing. Uh, or you just, kinda. you kind of have to infer the disappointment in the voice, uh, <laughs> which is something we're all very well acquainted with, I'm sure. But um, yeah, that that might be part of it as well. I think. I give a shout out to the wrestling team that went one and one over the weekend, Friday night, uh, dropping a, a tough battle to the defending national champion Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, Iowa came to the Cavelli Center and won 21 to 12. Uh, and, and, and the reason that was a tough one, you know, Ohio State had gotten its head handed to it by Michigan uh, a week ago. Michigan absolutely in contention for a national title, as is Iowa. Penn State probably in the driver's seat, and we'll see them next. So that'll be another tough fight for, for Ohio State. Um, Michigan took eight out of 10 matches in that dual meet. It was a route anyway you wanted to slice it. Iowa was a much different meet and that Ohio state turned in one of its best performance of the season, even if it was in a losing effort, because even the matches they lost, uh, they were into the, to the final whistle. And it was one of those where you say the other guy won, not Ohio state's guy lost. If, if that makes sense, you know, sure. you just lost to a guy who was better that night. Uh, but the big story of the night, Carson Karchla, uh, who's a redshirt sophomore from uh, Powell, I think, went, uh, I think he's an Olin Tangy Liberty grad, if I'm remembering that right. Uh, Karchla upset number one, Alex the Bull Marinelli, who is a product of Ohio's St. Paris, uh, Graham High School in St. Paris, a very famed Graham wrestling program there. Uh, but Marinelli came in number one in the country, and Karchla knocked him off with a late takedown. One of the best matches of the night, one of the best matches of the weekend. Ohio State would go on on Sunday to beat Maryland 39 to 4. <laughs> they whooped nice. up on them pretty good in Covelli 
to improve to six and two in dual meet competition. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about wrestling this season, but we're now down into the the short rows of the dual meet season and moving swiftly toward March and uh, the conference and NCAA tournament. So shout out to the Buckeyes for uh, a really solid weekend of wrestling and especially to Karchla for uh, becoming, you know, the, the giant killer there and taking down number one. All right, Johnny, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. Lots of good things happening. We will be back next week to talk more about the happenings of uh, Ohio State football, Ohio State sports in general, latest with Buckeyes in the NFL related to these playoff games we talked about earlier. And, and yeah, we'll keep on Harbaugh watch, our, our new uh, favorite segment of the program after uh, Ask Us Anything. So until then, I'm Andy. I'm Johnny. Thanks for listening to the 11 Dubcast.